The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Vic Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Vic, and I hope you're having an amazing week, and I hope things are on the up and up, mindset, staying centered, balance, inner stillness, the whole nine yards, and understanding that everything that you're going through in life, no matter be good, bad, ugly, whatever it is, that there's always a purpose, there's always a divine reason behind everything. And this is a great segue into the person I had a chance to interview in this episode. Um, I had a chance to uh, interview Blake Bauer, and he has such a unique story. We had such a great convo. It was a really great podcast. I enjoyed my time with him. And, you know, it's fascinating how, you know, the challenges that we face in life and the things that we deal with all the time. You've, if you've been listening to podcasts, you know the story I share. If you read my books, you know what I've shared there. And it's great to link with someone who has, shares the same kind of concept, the same mindset, the same process of going through things. And we talked a lot about what are things you can do for your life, how you can help get your energy up, the things that you can help to make shift that perspective and so much more. And Blake has been, he's been a pioneer. He has faced suffered rejection. He has faced many different things. He recovered from drug, alcohol, and food addictions and so much more. And the, the way he has transformed his life is just awe-inspiring in my opinion. And so if you're wondering, who is Blake? Blake is the author of the international best-selling book, You Were Not Born to Suffer. Each year, he helps thousands of people who cannot find effective support from conventional psychology, medicine, or religion. Blake is a world-renowned teacher and speaker with an extensive background in psychology, alternative medicine, nutrition, traditional healing, and mindfulness meditation. Based on both his personal experience overcoming deep suffering, addiction, and adversity, as well as his professional success with over 100,000 people worldwide, Blake's pioneering work integrates what he's found to be the most most effective approaches to optimal mental, emotional, and physical health. As I said, this was a really great podcast. I was very excited to be on with him in this one. Um, tune in. I'm not going to take any more thunder away from this guy, but everyone, here is Blake Bauer. Blake, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Vic. It's lovely to be here. I'm excited to have you on, especially having a fellow Chicagoan himself uh, on the podcast here. Um, I love what you're up to. I think um, what you're going to share with listeners today is going to be monumental for them because uh, mental health is dear to my heart. It's something that I've been um, kind of talking about in March and April when COVID was coming around and the lockdowns were starting to happen. I was very worried about the mental health of individuals uh, just because my background is in chiropractic. And uh, to have you on, I, I can't wait to pick your brain on all this and, and dive deep on how we can help some individuals with all this. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. So as I always begin my interviews, I always like to just ask, how did you, what's your story? How did you, what's the path that led you to get to doing what you're doing or the why you decided that this was something that you were passionate about and it was like, I need to be doing this? Well, it's it, the, both those answers to those questions are intimately connected. Um, I grew up, you know, in a family that had a lot of dysfunctional and unhealthy tendencies. Uh, I had a lot of drug addiction in my family. And when I was a young man, because I didn't know how to talk about my feelings, I didn't know how to process my inner world. I started to, you know, use different kinds of drugs and to drink uh, socially, and then all of those things became excessive. So I developed a really unhealthy relationship to alcohol, to marijuana, and then to pharmaceutical pills uh, in my early to mid-teens and then throughout high school. And by the time I was 18 years old, I had been arrested a number of times for drug possession. And I was also a good athlete. You know, at a young age, you're, you feel invincible and your body's quite resilient. So I was able to 
you know, abused my body in a lot of ways, but then also was a, was a good athlete. And I played uh, American football and was a, a, a captain of the varsity football team with two of my best friends. We all had offers to play college football. And so in that respect, I was doing very well. I got a very, very bad DUI going into senior year on pills, on cannabis, and on alcohol. Um, I got arrested. I got uh, kicked off the team. I was asked to tell the team I can't represent them as their captain. I lost any offers I had to play in college. And so at 18 years old, that was my world and my identity. And very quickly, I sabotaged and destroyed it all and caused my world to crumble. And so I went from being very arrogant and thinking I was invincible to being very insecure, very tortured psychologically and emotionally, very confused and very lost. And this was at the age of 18 when the, the pressure was building to figure out what to do with your life at the same time. So here I am um, often feeling suicidally depressed that I don't even want to be here because I don't know what to do with myself. I didn't know really how to talk to anybody or ask for help. So I was just suffering on my own. And then at the same time, I'm asking myself, you know, what am I supposed to do with my life? Am I supposed to study? And if so, what am I supposed to study? Am I supposed to go to work? And how, how am I going to make a living? And is money the key to happiness and success? And so I'm 18, suffering on my own, asking all these existential questions inside when my peers seemed from the outside to be okay. You know, everybody seemed to have it figured out. And they were just okay going to college or going to work and didn't seem to, to take it so seriously. And, and for various reasons, I was very hard on myself and, and very serious about all these things. And so at 18, I found myself waking up every day really tortured psychologically and emotionally, anxious, confused, paranoid, uh, just very lost, insecure, ashamed from the decisions I had made, the mistakes I had made, the things I had ruined. And so from 18, I moved forward with two questions on my mind every day, which was how do I heal myself and free myself from this suffering? Because deep down, I knew that life wasn't meant to be like this. Instinctually, I felt that. And I think deep down, we all know when we're suffering that there's got to be a way out. And then the second question was, what is the purpose of my life? Why am I here? And so I moved forward from 18 years old, very serious because I was desperate to find clarity and, and wanting to answer those two questions led me to five different universities where I studied psychology, I studied nutrition, I then went to two different schools for traditional Chinese medicine, so acupuncture and oriental or, or what, uh, eastern um, herbal medicine. And I also uh, dove very deeply into spiritual practices like yoga and meditation and Tai Chi and Qigong and just went deeper and deeper down those paths and, and rabbit holes. And had, I was very lucky to meet uh, teachers and masters in those practices. So I had this unquenchable thirst and hunger to understand life, health, what is the truth? Is there a God? What is the nature of reality? How does the universe function? What are the keys to happiness? What are the keys to success? What are the keys to finding inner peace? And so this is obviously an abridged version, but I continued down that path throughout my entire you know, young adult life through my 20s. Eventually, I had some revelations and some clarity where I could see that my suffering had come from never learning how to love myself as a child, practically never learning how to take care of my mind and all my crazy thoughts and the voices in my head and never learning how to express my emotions and my needs in a very healthy way and how to really always be true to myself in the face of being scared of being judged or you know, not fitting in or not pleasing people around me. And as I started to have this awareness, I could see how disease and depression develops over time in the body from our self-destructive relationship to ourselves. And that is when I had an idea to write a book on the topic of how most of our suffering comes from never learning how to love ourselves. And this is how you love yourself. And so I was young and very naive. And I began the process of trying to publish a book and I was rejected by over 
a hundred agents and publishers, literally, nobody took me seriously. They thought, oh, how could someone so young know anything? I didn't have a huge platform or social media following. And a lot of publishers really care about book sales because it's a business. And so, you know, I was very disheartened trying to find my way through this, but eventually I decided to self-publish and through this calling that I had just to share what had helped me from such a desperate, dark place with as many people as I could, that, that drive led me to teach on three different continents, in, still in my 20s. And the book became a number one bestseller on multiple lists and in different countries. And then eventually a publisher in London bought the book from me and now it's an international bestseller and it's been translated into 10 languages. And I've had the honor of now working with over 100,000 people. And it all just came from me being in such a deep, dark place and wanting to understand the keys to health and happiness and, and good relationships and fulfilling work life. And then all I wanted to do was share it with as many people as I could and um, and that's really what brings us to our conversation today. I love that, and I love how you you know sharing the journey and so forth, and <clears throat> through the through your I guess when you suffering, I like to call it the darkness, but you know everyone has their own terminology. But it's one of the things where you went through the suffering, you went through the hard times, and would you say through those moments, it was like as you look back at your life, right? Because I always say you can never tell what's going on at the moment. You have to actually look through the rearview mirror to, to put all the pieces together to truly grasp and understand, oh, that's why this happened. Ah, that's why that went that way. Or this is why that happened. Um, was that, when you look back at your life, was all those things a building process and helping you to be, to help create such massive change for others and the reason why you wrote the book and so much more? 100%. I mean, you, I've found over time, and it took me time to realize this and accept this, and I'm sure, you know, Dr. Vic, you can relate. It's our suffering that, that shows us and unlocks the deepest parts of our strength and our power and our love. And so I know for me, if I hadn't gone through the intense suffering and, and psychological and emotional torture I did for so many years and then need to figure out how to heal myself at the core of my mind, and the core of my heart, I would never be able to, to help people in that place, you know, and I find that that's where there's a lot of information lacking in the world. Because um, it's really easy to read books and then tell people, you know, you should do this, and you know, you should love yourself. But the, the, the multi-trillion dollar priceless question is the how, you know, how do I heal my mind at the core, you know, where I'm tortured mentally and tortured by these voices and these conflicting thoughts? And how do I heal my heart emotionally when I've had a life of pain and a life of self-harm? How do I get out of that darkness, as you called it? And so, um, you know, I, I, I am a believer and a fan of of someone who has walked the terrain and been able to, and, and then you're able to say, you're able to take someone's hand and say, you know, this is how I got out of the valley, out of that darkness. This is how I climbed the mountain. Come with me. I'll show you the way, you know? I love that. No, it's, and, it, and it's so true. And it's why one question to ask you is why do you think, people, because I've noticed this through my experiences and from a health side, I've noticed it. I've also seen it now as I've been coaching and working on the mindset side and so much more um, with clients and doing group coaching and all that to where I've seen people, um, we resist the darkness or the suffering or the challenges. Like we try to mitigate as much as we can to avoid it as much as, much as possible instead of just going into it. Do you have a tendency to see that also? A hundred percent. I mean, we, we are very good at running from, from it, numbing it, you know, distracting it, denying it, you know, and that's where really most addiction comes from is wanting to numb that darkness as you're describing it, you know, with alcohol, drugs, food, overworking, keeping ourselves busy. And what we're really running from is old pain. It's, it's, it's because it, it hurt. You know, there were times where it, it really hurt. I think life breaks our heart in different ways, you know, starting when we're young and we don't even realize it. And, and so I have found that really all of our fears, any fear that people have really can funnel back to this, 
belief, this fear that it's going to hurt, that it's going to be painful. And we don't want to feel the pain. We want pleasure. We want to feel good. So often we seek uh, short-term pleasure to distract ourselves from that pain. But there's so much power and so much love underneath the pain, which we don't realize. And then we don't have a lot of effective tools or guidance to get there, stay there, accept it, be familiar with it, you know, learn to work with it, and then move forward from that place. We live in a time and a culture where things are very fast, you know, and we're, we're all very attracted to shiny things. We've lost touch with that deeper part of ourselves. And, you know, definitely in the last 50 years, you know, the industrial revolution, you know, led to so much uh, wealth and material wealth and materiality in our country and in the developed world that it's taken us away from these deeper parts of ourselves. But then I'm sure, you know, Dr. Vic, we all see now this trend where people are seeking more meaning, more purpose, more peace, because they've realized that money and things and achieving external goals and, you know, quote unquote success is not bringing the lasting happiness or health that we thought it would. And then we start to realize what has really the, the utmost value in life. And so we, I think we just don't have the tools. We're not taught as children. We're caught up in the, the momentum of society and what everybody is doing. And then deep down, we fear it's going to hurt. And, we, we, and around that, we have shame. You know, we're ashamed of it. We think people won't like us or love us if we're sad or we're in a dark place. So, you know, we always put on a mask. You know, we try to pretend, you know, and then we got to survive and put food on the table. So if we fall into a deep, dark depression, psychologically, I think there's this survival mechanism where we think we can't fall apart. We have to keep going. I can't stay in bed and feel my feelings all day. I got to get up and go to work so I can pay my mortgage or pay my bills. And then a lot of people get caught in that cycle and never go down to that darkness, never go down to their core. And so they never heal the, the root cause of their problems and they never access the deepest places in themselves where the source of peace, the source of love, the source of happiness, the source of healing resides. I couldn't agree with that more. I think, you know, it, I, I have a saying I always talk and say that if you don't deal with the things that you had to, you know, growing up as a child, and if you don't take care of them, they show up diff in different ways as we get older. You were talking about health and things like that. What has in your journey, because you've done a lot of different tools, I, you know, just hearing your story and your background, what has been some monumental tools for you? to help you navigate through this if there is, or is, I know for me, when I think about my life, I had to use different tools to different things, but I'm just curious to, to see your story and your background on that. Absolutely. Well, so I'd say there's three. And the first one is meditation. And I, I believe that on everybody's healing journey and journey towards their healthiest, happiest life, eventually you have to become very intimate with your mind and your thought process because your thinking is probably the single most influential and powerful thing that goes on inside of you. And so for me, when I was 18, learning, to, learning Buddhist meditation, and I'm not a Buddhist, but learning Buddhist meditation, sitting down and training my mind and having a firsthand experience that I'm not my thoughts, I don't need to believe everything I think. And when my mind starts to run and get carried away and there's all these different voices in my head that I have the power and the capacity to come back to my breathing, come back to my body and not be totally identified with or at the mercy of these thoughts, these, these thought patterns and that I could heal them and change them. So that's number one. Number two is I found Qigong on my, on my journey while I was studying Chinese medicine, which is similar to Tai Chi there's slow moving uh, stretches and a, a moving, a slow moving meditation, breathing practice. And the form that I fell in love with and that I now teach um, goes through all the joints and the extremities in the body and, and, and very methodically opens up all the blood vessels and all the energy channels so that any stuck blood or stuck energy or stuck emotion in the body, which is you, I know you know is the subconscious mind, can be released and can start to flow again. So all these parts of you that you've disconnected and internalized can come up and start to flow again and come out. So your, your whole system starts to function properly. Your immune system gets stronger. Everything just gets stronger. So I, I really fell in love with that practice because – 
I was studying Chinese medicine at the same time. And what I found was that doing Qigong was something that someone could do for themselves that actually had even more effective results than an acupuncture treatment. And then they could do it for themselves at home. And so I really fell in love with the practice and fell in love with teaching it to people. You know, the metaphor, you know, you can give a man or a woman a fish and they eat for a day, but if you teach them to fish, they can eat for a lifetime. And so for me, teaching people Qigong became a form of teaching people how to fish for themselves or love and care for themselves in a very deep way. And then the third tool for me as a man you know, I never learned how to talk about my emotions and be vulnerable. And so for me over the years, over the past two decades, learning how to understand what I'm feeling, how it's connected to what I need and want, and then how to articulate it in a very healthy, uh, accountable, and kind way has been extremely powerful. And all three of the things I just mentioned are, are all related because they, they all helped me be more aware, more present, more in tune with other people more uh, able to watch myself if I'm reacting, you know, psychologically, emotionally, or physically, and then make sure I choose my words, you know, very mindfully so that I'm not creating more pain around me, but I'm creating healing, understanding, trust, respect, um, and all the things we really want. I love that. Um, I'm a huge fan of uh, Qigong. Um, can you share with the listeners the just quickly, briefly, the difference between Tai Chi and Qigong? Because I know a lot of times when people say, oh, Qigong is very similar. It's like Tai Chi. And I know it is like Tai Chi to a certain degree, but there is that difference of what I, why I like um, Qigong a little bit more just because of the energy aspect to it. So I'd love to hear you just share that with the listeners if you don't mind. A hundred percent. Yes. I'm, I, I feel the same way. I, I prefer Qigong. Um, I would say Qigong is the foundation for Tai Chi. Qigong goes back even further, you know, thousands of years in, in, in where it originated in the Orient. And it's also the foundation for Chinese medicine. So anybody who's familiar with Chinese medicine or acupuncture, it was the Qigong masters that were so in tune with the flow of energy and blood in their body that they were the first people to map out the flow of energy and blood in the body. And they were, you know, there was a, you know, if you go back 5,000 years, thousands of years, you know, there was a lot less distraction. So you were very in tune with your body, with energy, with nature. And so they're the ones who spent all this time developing these practices and just exploring the body, feeling the body, exploring on other bodies. And over time created this field of Chinese medicine that now has grown into something really unbelievable. And Another way I explain it is in terms of if you think of a spectrum where on one end of the spectrum you have stillness and on the other end of the spectrum you have movement, if we start at the stillness end of the spectrum, you would start with sitting meditation, so doing nothing physically, just working with your inner world. And then the next step from stillness out of meditation would be qigong because qigong is you're taking that meditative stillness that inner stillness and that practice of awareness and mindfulness but then you're starting to move the body very slowly very mindfully in a way that's uh, aligned so your your movement your attention or your focus and your breathing are all moving in unison and are one and that's very similar to yoga in many ways and and i would say even more similar to what people call yin yoga which is very gentle and very slow but qigong works on even a more subtle and thus a more deep level and so then moving from meditation to Qigong, then you would go to Tai Chi because Tai Chi has much more movement, much more fancy forms. So you're moving around a space a lot more. And then from Tai Chi, you go into all the martial arts. And what I have found in my study of this practice, again, now for almost two decades, is that most martial arts masters eventually gravitate towards Tai Chi and then Qigong because Qigong is really the, the place where you master your mind and your, the flow of energy, which people who love martial arts you know, fall in love with because it makes their practice of martial arts much more effective and much more powerful. Um, and just like the, a lot of the saying, sayings in Taoism, 
you know, if you're not at war inside yourself, if you're not battling yourself, then you'll really never enter into battle with anybody else because you're not reacting inside. It's like nobody can goat you. Nobody can can tempt you into fighting physically, emotionally, psychologically. If you are mastered inside mentally, emotionally, and physically, and Qigong is a practice that, that helps with that. And, and I've always been, um, Dr. Vic, very practical, practically oriented, you know, in terms of what makes me feel the healthiest, happiest, most vital. And then obviously, practically, I want to share that with other people. So I've always gravitated towards that form of Qigong that's not so fancy, but extremely practical and effective. Yeah, I got I got exposed to Qigong years ago, and, and I was just fat. I mean, my background's in energy medicine, so I was like, "Oh, this is great! I can move my energy. I can manipulate it. not manipulate, but just move it around to clear blockages and stagnant energy." And and I was like, "All right, let me. I'm open to anything. Let me give this a shot." And I was just like, "Wow, this is powerful!" And I started doing it every morning, and I was just like, "It, it was a game changer for me." So I, I appreciate you taking the time just to break it down for the listeners on that. Uh, when Absolutely, it comes to all that. Now you brought up something that you know. Being a man myself, uh, I'm an Italian. I'm an Italian American. My dad, I'm a first generation, and you know, one of the things I was raised is, and you probably were experiences too, being in Chicago, or just in men in general in the American culture, is that uh, you don't show emotions. I was I was always taught that emotions are something that um, if you do show your emotions, that's weakness. And as a man, you need to be strong. Like my father never showed his emotions, no matter what. Um, for the men out there, you know, I think this is something critical for men. I think there's a huge pivotal change in men that's happening. Um, we're, we're transforming. Um, some people call it the modern man nowadays, but what is for, for man listening to this, how can they break through and get through these open up the, the improve their emotional health and allow them to, uh, help in their healing journey? from somebody who had to go through it like yourself? Well, the first step is becoming aware of what you're feeling. So, you know, a practice is, that's important. That's why meditation is so helpful. And another thing that can be good for guys is journaling. You know, it's just something personal that nobody else sees. Um, and I did that in the very beginning. I would just say, dear universe, you know, um, I'm feeling not so great today. I'm feeling very depressed. I, or I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to this this week, or I'm, you know, just starting to get used to kind of having that healthy conversation with myself instead of bottling it all up and, and keeping it all in. So a lot of us don't even know what we're feeling and you can't express yourself in healthy ways if you're not aware of what you're feeling. So the que- there's three questions that are really good to start asking yourself. What am I feeling? What do I need? And what do I want? And at first, that can be really confusing, you know, you know, because you don't know, you just don't have a lot of practice at this. But over time, you're going to get better at, okay, I'm feeling angry, or I'm feeling vulnerable, or I'm feeling scared, or I'm feeling insecure, which is why I get jealous or why I get angry. And you start to dissect this and you'll start to see, oh, maybe that's why I, you know, like to have a few drinks after work, because then I don't really feel the stress or I don't feel the pressure. It just helps me relax for a little bit. So getting, getting in tune with what you're feeling is the first step. And then learning how to express yourself in very kind, accountable ways is the secret sauce. So we all have to get really good at saying, I feel hurt or I feel angry or I feel overwhelmed because typically as men, what happens is we, if we get hurt, we don't, we don't want to say I feel hurt because that doesn't feel very masculine. So instead we get angry and we get frustrated and we get short, and, and then that doesn't feel good to the people around us, especially to the women around us who are very sensitive and want us to be vulnerable. And then, you know, a lot of men are prone towards anger issues. So it's either anger or depression, right? You, you either turn it in on yourself and don't let it out, or when you do let it out, it's very aggressive and it's very angry. And that's tied up to why a lot of guys, you know, drink a lot of alcohol or, and often too much alcohol. Because it very effectively numbs um, sadness, hurt, and anger, you know, and, and then that leads to a whole host of problems. So 
I think going to a therapist, for example, is another great solution. You know, if you feel like you're lacking those tools right now and you feel too vulnerable to start doing that with your partner, it, there's no shame in finding a therapist or a coach and, you know, feel out whether you prefer to talk to a man or you prefer to talk to a woman. And there are a lot of great men and a lot of great women, you know, psychologists, uh, psychiatrists, therapists, even, you know, Dr. Vic, like you, a holistic chiropractor. There's a lot of great practitioners that you can go to and who have the tools and will be there for you. And there's nothing wrong with asking for help. I think that was a big one for me too, is that I was very proud and I had a big ego. So it was very hard. Once I realized there were people that could help me, I would struggle to ask for help because of my pride. But the truth is, is that your life will just get so much better when you start opening up and you start talking. And, and then the second thing I want to speak to is that, you know, a lot of men get mixed messages from women in this regard. So a lot of women will say, you know, I need a, you to be vulnerable and I need you to be able to talk about your emotions. But then when a man opens up often, if he is very emotional and that can happen because if you've been keeping in your emotions for a long time, there's a lot of stuff in there. So when you start to let it out, if you finally get to a place where you do that, and you have negative responses in your environment, like your partner doesn't show up, or she can't be there for you. Or sometimes when we're dating, especially in today's world, you know, you might come across a woman that, you know, says she wants that type of connection, but then she really doesn't know what to do with it. And then you feel very kind of ashamed and abandoned. Like, did you do something wrong by opening up? And so we're getting a lot of mixed signals. And so the key is, is that the only, the, the thing that matters the most for us as men and just as individuals is your relationship to yourself. That, that is the most important thing and it sets the tone for everything. And so if your feelings, and this is true for women too, it's true for all of us. If your feelings and your needs and your calling or your goals don't matter to you, they're never going to really matter to anybody else. And you're going to feel like you don't matter. So everybody has to say, my feelings matter. My needs matter. My desires matter. It, and, it, and like, you know, on the, ma- and the male side, especially as, a, as you get older and you have a family and you have responsibilities, you know, you were not born to just be a stoic provider, you know, just in the same way for women, you know, they weren't born to, to just be a mother and to take care of the house. You know, these, these old kind of roles and archetypes, you know, we're, those are all falling down right now because everybody has feelings. Everybody has needs. Everybody has desires. Everybody wants some joy in their day that's not, not just about all the practical responsibilities. And everybody needs a little room to breathe like that. And so, as a man, you have to get strong enough to say, my feelings matter. It's okay for me to have feelings. And if the people around me can't support me, that's okay. You know, maybe they will in time, but that doesn't mean I keep in what I feel. That doesn't mean I drink or eat too much and hurt myself because nobody knows how to support me. So sometimes, you know, you got to be the captain and kind of the leader of the ship and your family, even in that regard, and set the tone because the ideal model, especially you talked about energy medicine, Dr. Vic, the ideal model is that as the man, you do hold the space for your family. You are the protector. Your heart, and and this is the key to, to doing this in the highest and the healthiest way, is that your heart needs to be open and expand around your family. So your heart is so big and it, and it like creates this bubble around your partner, around your children, around your loved ones. So you need to be able to be vulnerable and talk about your feelings because you can't be there for them emotionally either. And then, like I said, if you, if you, if you keep in your feelings, that means you're hurting yourself. You're going to be angry at yourself, but you're going to take that out on the people around you, which you know, we've all seen and experienced and it's not pleasant and it causes a lot of regret and a lot of pain for everybody. So it's, it's critical that you learn to do this and that you don't ask for anybody's permission. You need to give yourself permission that it's okay for me to have feelings. And in now in my experience, my view is that, you know, a really strong man is able to be vulnerable and open and talk about his feelings. And that does not make you weak because if you look at a guy who keeps everything in and is angry and always egotistical and pride-based, what you really see, if you're seeing clearly, 
is a lot of fear, a lot of insecurity that comes from a little boy who never learned how to talk about his feelings. And that's not the path to what we want in life. I love that. I love, I love everything you're sharing on this. It's really critical and it's huge. And I think, yeah, I mean, even just the whole, like when we get angry as men from a neurological perspective, you may have heard the the whole fight or flight mechanism, right? This the sympathetic nervous system. Absolutely. And, and what's, what's interesting is I, I always ask the question, who came up with fight or flight? And when I started to learn about it, um, actually that is the male response to threats. We are either going to fight or we're going to run away. Um, and women don't do, they do something different. And it's just interesting to throughout life. And I even thinking about my journey as you were explaining all that um, of how it, it's, and it sounds like the biggest thing that you have to do first is just become aware and honest with your feelings and where you're at. Exactly. 100%. And again, journaling is a great place to start. If you don't feel like you know someone you can talk to, that's a great place to start. Or, you know, find a buddy, you know, talk to a buddy. Because the truth is your buddy is struggling with the same thing. Or a sibling, you know, for example, my sister is one of my best friends. And I talk to her a lot about stuff I'm going through in my life. So it's important to find someone you can talk to. And if you really don't have a friend or a family member that you feel you can open up with, go find a helping professional, spend the money, do it. Nobody needs to know. Now a lot of insurance covers, you know, various treatments like this. Go do it because there's no reason to suffer silently. And even now with COVID, with everything we're going through, there's a lot of telemedicine. You can do it online. You can do it on Zoom. You can do it on the phone. You know, you can go for a walk. You can have some privacy, but do ask for help if you're struggling because there is no reason anymore to suffer silently. We have so many resources, so many tools, so many professionals. And you bring up something that I, I wanted to come across, and that's everything going on with COVID. You know, back in March, April, it was uh, when lockdowns starting to happen. I know Illinois was one of the one of the first ones to do lockdowns and quarantine and all that. Um, for me, it was red flags like crazy because um, human beings, the most important thing you could do for one's health is community connection, um, not you know, just through internet and things like that, but like in-person connections. And I kept going, man, this is not going to be, I know we have to do this for that. And wherever you stand on the side with COVID, it was one of the things where it was like, okay, I understand all this, but at the same time, we're going to start to see that. And now it's, uh, what was it, August? I think it might've been early September. No, it was August. End of August, uh, CDC comes out and says suicides are going through the roof. Right. And for people who are listening, because I am in the public sector where I'm working with people in my community and I am seeing it hand on, I'm very personable with my patients and I connect with them because I want to, I'm not that type of guy. Like you said, I'm holistic. I call myself a holistic chiropractor. It's an oxymoron in a sense because chiropractors are holistic, but unfortunately in our training and it has been diverse and there's, there's polarization. Um, so I had to come and say, you know what? I'm a holistic chiropractor. I look at the whole body. I look at everything uh, because all parts play a role. And uh, I'm even seeing people starting to, you know, first it was like, okay, we have to do this, whatever it may be. Now people are fed up, they're tired, they're fatigued, they, they're, they're exhausted, they're aggravated, um, depressed. I have people come and sharing stories with me on that. What is the message you can share to people and the listeners here on the podcast? I've had people reach out to me on the podcast also. Where are, what is things that they can do to break out of this mold or be able to help themselves through their mental health and so forth? And I know there's some of the tools we make over again, but just wanted to ask you that question. Absolutely, Dr. Vic. So yeah, just to reiterate, everything we've talked about are key right now. So um, talking about just what I talked about with, you know, for men, but this is true for men and women right now is you got to talk about what you're going through and find a, a constructive way and place to open up. So again, friends and family are important, but then if you feel like you're not getting the support or understanding you need, please go talk to somebody. Um, you know, find a, a chiropractor, find a therapist, find a psychologist. There are great people out there. Just Google, you know, therapists in your area and you're going to find there's, there's hundreds and thousands probably in your city. And um, often the, the irony is that we just really need a safe place to open up and someone to listen. So it's not even always so much about the person that we're talking to. It's just a space for us to, to talk freely. And what you'll find is as you open up and you start talking underneath all that pent up emotion and energy, 
are the answers that you're looking for. You're going to just have aha moments and they're going to come from you more than they're going to come from the therapist. And so to be just frank, it's worth paying someone to just listen, to have that space for yourself to get this stuff out because there's a dynamic that happens with another human being that is challenging to recreate on your own. So I would say that um, the, the opposite side of that is, and Dr. Vic, I'm not sure if you got into my book at all, but after every single chapter in my book, I have extremely practical uh, exercises and questions that are very confronting. And so a book like that, and there are a lot of other tools like this on the market, is something you would go through. And if you write down all the answers to these questions, like, you know, what, you know, for example, right now is a, a time where people are reflecting on their life and the choices they've made. So a question like, you know, what are your biggest regrets right now? Or what are your greatest fears right now? And answering those types of questions will release that energy, will give you more perspective, and then you'll get up every day and make better choices and make different choices for yourself because you've been reflecting on some very important topics and questions. Um, so, so opening up in that way is all very important. Like I mentioned earlier, meditation is key. And so I, I would encourage everybody to uh, learn and practice meditation for at least 10 minutes in the morning every day. And the reason why that's so important is because the thoughts you think first thing in the morning create your day and shape your day. And that is black and white and it's a fact. So when your eyes begin to open and you're thinking about everything you have to do and everything you're worried about, those thoughts send energy and send ripples out from your head, from your mind, out into your environment, out into your day. And they pave the way for the kind of day you're going to have. And it's a domino effect. So if you wake up very anxious, very insecure, very stressed, your day is going to be just like that. But if you wake up in the morning and you do 10 minutes of meditation to calm yourself, to calm your heartbeat, to calm your mind, to find some stillness, to see that you're not your thoughts, that you don't have to get carried away by your thoughts, you're going to create a much more intentional, healthy, peaceful day that feels good to you. And it is a secret sauce, but people have, there's so much momentum in the morning that people are like, no, I can't make 10 minutes. So they make I can't take 10 minutes to do this. I have to get going. And then their whole day is stressed out and anxiety ridden and it doesn't feel good. But they're really just excuses because nobody cannot, nobody is, is not able to take 10 minutes to do some meditation in the morning. And there's just no excuse. It's just your own BS. And so it's good to see it. It's your own BS. It's your own excuse. And you can do it. Like even if you have children, I have clients who have Lock themselves in the bathroom for 10 minutes. Buy some earplugs. Put them in. You know, you can do it. There's always a way. If there's a will, there's a way. And you, and you can find ways to do it. So I would say 10 minutes of meditation in the morning is life-changing because it'll help you process everything you're going through right now and not believe and buy into everything you're thinking, which right now it has a tendency to be fear-based uh, you know, insecure based, anxiety based, and you want to watch those thoughts because negative thoughts can destroy you. And um, the other thing that I think is really important, Dr. Vic, is to make sure that every day you take time for yourself, besides just meditation, to take at least a half hour to an hour of your, for yourself and go for a walk, you know, get some fresh air, or go exercise, you know, you can walk, run, ride your bike, do some form of exercise, whatever it is, you know, that you enjoy and feel good about, but you need some time for yourself. And exercise is half of that, you know, exercise, I'm going to come back to in a second, but especially being at home, you know, with your partner or your children or family members or roommates that you're not normally around all the time. And now it's been six or seven months of this. So you know what I'm talking about. Everybody needs some time for themselves, just to think for themselves and not have everybody's voices in their head, not have the TV in the background, all the things going on at home. You just need to be away from everybody so you can be in touch with your own thoughts, your own feelings, your own natural impulses. So everybody needs that. And then a good use of that time 
is exercise because again, being at home, you're, you're going to have a propensity for your energy and your blood to be stagnant and stagnant energy and blood because you're stuck at home becomes frustration, irritation, a lack of tolerance. So you got to get out, move your energy, move your blood and do some exercise because that will release that tension, release that frustration, release that agitation, keep things flowing in a healthy way. And it actually supports you to keep your emotions flowing like we talked about. Keep, it helps keep your healthy thoughts flowing like we talked about. So it's all very uh, connected. And then I, I'm sure, Dr. Vic, I'm sure you've talked about in past shows, you know, how good exercise is for your mental health because, you know, it releases a lot of endorphins, a lot of chemicals that make you literally feel better in your body and your mind. So there's a lot of reasons why taking time for yourself and then taking time for yourself to exercise right now is critical. It's critical. It's life or death. It is critical. So if you're not doing it, go do it and stop making excuses. I love that. I love the whole stop making excuses. You can't five, 10, 10 minutes. That's bullshit. I just love that straight up. And that's, it's truth because I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm a little rough around the edges sometimes too, where it comes to when people are like, I can't find 10 minutes to meditate. And I'm like, you can't find 10 minutes to meditate, but you can spend what, 45 minutes on social media. There's, there's a value system right. here. We got to correct. Right. You know, or else you're just going to continue having that experience. And then it's like, I, I don't want to hear that, you know, because it's like, I'm trying to offer, <clears throat> excuse me, different options. That exactly. That change. Exactly. And one last thing I want to say, Dr. Vic, that you prompted is, you know, the, the truth is, and this is the confronting reality is that it's all our choice. And that's, that's another thing that helps during this time is you get to choose and you do have a choice because a lot of people are feeling disempowered and powerless, but you have a choice of what you think about, what you give your time to, and, and what you think about, what you give your attention to, either is going to shift how you're feeling and make you feel better, or it's going to make you sick and make you feel worse. And you get to choose. And so, you know, you want to choose to be miserable and unhealthy? Well, guess what? That is your choice, and you can make that choice. But if you want to choose something better and choose to feel well and find ways to feel well right now, you can, and everybody can. And that's what, you know, this situation is like a big wall. Like we all hit a big wall where our old habits of running and numbing and distracting, we can't do them anymore. So you're forced to look at yourself and this could be the greatest opportunity of your life to make the shifts that deep down you've always known you want and need to make, but you haven't known how, or you said, I don't have time. And the truth is, is now is an opportunity to realize that you have a choice and you can actually choose what you think about. You can choose what you focus on based on how it makes you feel. And you can find a thousand things to focus on and think about that make you feel better, that make you more excited to be alive. And you have that power. We just never learned how to access it and use it, but we all have it. So true in so many ways. And it's, it's so awesome too. And, and so true that we're meditation, right? 10 minutes, simple, something. Um, I know that for me, I've been meditating uh, a little over three years daily straight. I made a commitment back then, but I've been meditating for over 15 years, but it's one of the things where, um, you know, for the listeners and you've heard me talk about this in former episodes where if you meditate for just 10 minutes a day for eight weeks, um, it builds a part of the brain up where it, the, it's called the prefrontal cortex and it's going to help strength thicken it, which allows you to then be able to calm the mind more, be able to think better, be able to connect within yourself and so much more. So um, really, really powerful sharing of advice here on, on these things that can help. And I think it's also critical just meditation in general during these times for everything. There's a lot of uncertainty and you, know, you got to connect Absolutely. to that, that, that calmness within you uh, to allow that. So I think the, the sound advice coming from you, Blake, I appreciate all that. Oh, thanks, Dr. Vic. And just off what you just said, you know, when you find that stillness and your, your mind is just a little quieter and you're not so tortured by all those thoughts, you're in touch with that part of yourself that is fluid and can, you can adapt and you can be flexible and you're in the moment. And I like this concept of when you're present, you can have your finger on the pulse of life. So you're really in tune with what you can do and what you need to do for your own health, for your family's health, to protect everybody, to survive, to do well during this time. 
But if you're so at the mercy of all your crazy thoughts and you don't do anything about it, you're going to feel blown over by every gust of wind and every challenge that arises. And, and, and unfortunately, I don't think we're done with the challenges. I think there's more coming. And so you need to be even more in tune with your center right now, more in tune with that part of you that is flexible, that's aware, that can adapt. And it, it's really very critical. And I'm sure, Dr. Vic, you know, I know for me, and I, I feel like you could probably relate, these uh, tools and, and that, that knowing that I can do this has helped me during this time so much. Whereas if I didn't have that tool and I didn't know I could do this, I would feel very powerless and very at the mercy of circumstances. Same here, man. Same here. It's one of those things where um, there's a lot of things I had and a lot of tools I use, but one of the meditation and stuff like that was uh, a, a pioneer to go deeper and understand the depths of everything. Absolutely. So real quick, how can people connect with you, find you, get a copy of your book, which I highly recommend for everybody, especially during these times. Um, how can they get connected with you and all that? Well, Amazon is great. The book is You Were Not Born to Suffer. So You Were Not Born to Suffer on Amazon. I'm on Instagram, uh, Blake D. Bauer, Facebook, Blake Bauer, and You Were Not Born to Suffer. And then my website is unconditional-selflove.com. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you for all that you're doing. I think the work that you're doing is, is monumental and uh, helping people really understand that they don't have to suffer, that it's not um, the negative connotation and, and allowing people just to dive deeper into that, I think is very critical, which can really pivotally trans create a, a, be a step, a, a, a launching pad for people to create massive transformations in their life and create, find more peace and stillness. Thank you, Dr. Vic. I appreciate it very much. And I know you're doing the same. So thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. Mm-hmm.